Hey guys, welcome back to the second episode of Diaries of a Homosexual. Just wanted to thank you guys so much for all of the support that I have been receiving over the past week for last week's episode released on Sunday, which if you haven't listened to already, go and check that out. It's honestly been amazing, just all the DMs and messages that you guys have been sending. Thank you so much, and I really hope that you enjoy it and you come back every week and you just feel like we're having an open conversation and you know that you feel like we're friends because honestly that's the goal is just for you to feel like every week you're just hanging out with a friend who's sharing stories and giving you advice so without further ado this week's topic is going to be about sports slash motivation slash confidence basically just being active my fitness journey and all of the we'll say hurdles to get where i am now and i definitely still have far to go but there are some pretty hilarious moments in my past i was not always very athletic and if you knew me as a child you would know that i have had some very embarrassing moments i have done all like tons of sports. I've done pretty much everything except hockey because uh, my dad never taught me how to skate as a child, even though we have a rink in the backyard. But anywho, let me give you a quick rundown of kind of what's going to happen today. I'm going to share four funny stories. Yeah, I know it's a lot, but there is a lot to cover in this topic, okay? And then I also asked you guys to send me some questions regarding sports, confidence, motivation, and I kind of just took that and I'm going to be answering those for you today. So hopefully you can get some guidance from your homo guru, your uh, GBF, if you will. So the first story that I have today for you is very traumatizing for me, okay? I mentioned last week that I was going to be talking about why I no longer go to the yacht club. And when you hear yacht club, like it sounds bougie and fancy, but like it's not. It's really not. When I was younger, I would spend the summers at my cabin and there's a town really close to my cabin and there's this yacht club there that people have their sailboats and some of them are very nice, but a lot of people just do like recreational sailing and like little like wooden dinghies and you know they're not the most luxurious um as we will come to find out so my mom comes in and tells me one day hey i signed you up for sailing lessons i was excited by this because she always tells me how when she was a kid her and my grandparents so her parents They would always go sailing, you know, and they had these crazy adventures and they would see orca whales. And that just, it made me so excited to be able to participate in this. So the first day I go to sailing lessons, I'm pretty much the youngest one there, okay? Keep in mind, I was about 10, 11, so like grade five or six, like elementary, middle school. The teacher was this university student who I would question his ability to teach. I'm sure he sailed a lot, but let's just say he wasn't the best teacher that I've ever had, okay? So 
it starts off, you know, he's teaching us how to tie the knots and kind of how to steer the boat. And we're basically just going to go out and practice in these little dinghies, which are these like little tiny sailboats. And we're going to go around the marina and just kind of do our thing, try not to hit each other. So there's about five people there. And he decides that it's a good idea to put us all in our own boats. Keep in mind, it is our first time sailing, okay? We were not ready for this at all, especially me. So I get in the boat. I'm kind of, you know, sailing around the marina a bit. I am not feeling confident. I am not going very fast. And, you know, it's it's starting off okay. And then shit hits the fan, okay? My rudder, which is what steers the boat, falls off. This thing was not screwed in properly, and now I have no way to steer. So my boat, as it just happens to be, is facing these really nice boats in the marina, and I have no way to steer away from them, keep in mind. So I am headed right towards these massive, beautiful sailboats in my tiny dinghy as a lone 10-year-old, okay? And so, oh my god. I'm freaking out. I'm like yelling at this guy to like come and help me. And he's like, oh, like, you know, figure it out. Like, you got this. Come on, dude. And he's being nice about it, but he didn't realize that my rudder fell off. He just thought I was being a little bum and he thought I was scared to steer or something. And so then it gets even worse, right? Because I was never told about the boom. And the boom is the giant metal pole on the bottom of the sail and when the wind changes it swings across the boat so you have to duck for the boom i was not told this i get cranked in the head like cranked by this boom it hurts so bad i fall over in this boat i'm like crying i'm headed toward these giant beautiful boats which i'm about to crash into so my mom is on the shore And she starts yelling at the guy like, hey, like, go get him, go check on him. Because she saw that I got cranked by this boom. And so finally he comes over and you know what he says? He goes, oh, um, you don't have a rudder. And I'm just there like, uh, yeah, that's why I was trying to call you over here because I have no way to steer. I obviously was not speaking that well as I just had trauma to my head. He takes me in his boat we don't find the rudder. It's kind of deep. So he gets me another one. After that day in sailing lessons, I was never in a boat alone again. And honestly, after that, I just really didn't want to sail. And it's kind of sad to say it, but like, I just don't think I would do it right now, you know, at least not alone or with someone inexperienced. Later in this class, another one of the tasks that we had to do was capsize the boat and then be able to tip it back over and bail it out so he wanted us to flip and sink our boat but before it sinks flip it back and like use a bucket to like throw all the water out okay i am 10 years old i am terrified of sailing already and now he's telling me that he wants me and my now partner who is a very sweet girl but who is also terrified of sailing we had to stand on the edge of the boat grab the sail and rock it back and forth until the boat flips, okay? So me and this girl are like freaking out and you know, we're we're both kind of like, oh my God, like I don't want to do this. And I'm like, yeah, me neither, me neither. And so he's like, okay, it's your turn. 
So we're standing on the side of the sailboat and we're rocking it back and forth. And as the boat starts to tip, it's tipping towards us. Me and her jump off and we start swimming to shore. We literally just left the boat. We're like, "Mm I'm out of here. This is not for me. So we swim to shore and he's like yelling at us because now the boat is flipped and it's sinking and we're not there. We're not flipping it back. So he has to go over himself. He like jumps in the water, flips it back over and he's like bailing it out himself. And I felt so bad for this man. Well, I do now, not then obviously because I didn't want to do it in the first place. Honestly, it was his fault. (laughs) I was, I told him I did not want to do it. Anyways, so he comes in. Obviously, he's not too happy with us, but our parents are just like, well, like, they're 10. Like, what do you expect? Like, you already scared them the first day. And for the next two classes, I stayed on the beach and drew in my little notebook. And that was honestly a vibe because then I just didn't have to participate and I have never sailed again. So that is that. And I will definitely not be showing my face at that yacht club for a while, especially because I am terrified that that guy works there. And even though he would probably not recognize me now, I'm still so scared of it, you know? (laughs) The second story that I'm going to tell you today is one that is a little questionable, but it's honestly hilarious, okay? So I kind of named this story Nana and the Nighttime Buckleys. I know this makes no sense right now, but it will. I promise you, okay? This was during my archery phase. So I had a moment where my grandpa and I would do archery together and we started taking lessons and going to classes and we would go recreationally and I shot recurve so like if you've ever been to summer camp or anything those that's probably what you shot like just the basic like wooden string no sights or anything nothing fancy and if i do say so myself i was low-key getting pretty good at it one specific lesson that i went to i was not feeling so good you know i was kind of coming back from a cold it was winter time and you know i just i wasn't feeling that great And so the medicine that I take when I'm sick is called Buckley's, which is just like a normal like cold and flu kind of medicine. There's a yellow tablet for daytime, and then there's a blue tablet for nighttime. Now, the daytime tablet does not make you drowsy or loopy or anything. The nighttime tablet makes you fall asleep so quick, and it makes you so drowsy you're probably kind of starting to realize where this is going to go wrong. So before we left for the class, I asked my Nana if I could, you know, have a Buckley's tablet to kind of make my cold a little better. It wasn't contagious at this point, like, you know, whatever, like I was just still kind of not feeling a-okay. So she comes in with the package and you're only supposed to take one tablet, but because she wanted me to feel extra better, she was like, oh, I'll, I'll give him two. I took both the tablets and me and my grandpa get in the car and we're driving to archery. And I just remember on the way there, I was like in and out of consciousness. Like it hit quick, okay? The one thing that I specifically remember happening word for word, and I bring it up all the time when I'm with my grandparents because it's literally hilarious. 
we were driving in the car with my grandpa and he was talking about something and I was not there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I literally just said, yeah, that house definitely has a lot of room, hey? I do not know where that came from. That came out of nowhere. We were not talking about houses. And he just kind of looked at me like, Krishay, what? We, we, you clearly are not listening to me. Anyways, we get to the archery lesson. I am out of it. I am really out of it. And I am about to be shooting arrows around a bunch of other children. I get my bow ready. I'm like lining up on the line and she goes like, you know, ready to aim, shoot. And we, I think we shot like three or like four or five arrows at a time. And then we would go and we would collect the arrows. Well, this one kid finished quick and I was very slow because I was like basically asleep. And so I wasn't done all my arrows. And the instructor was like, oh, okay, like, go ahead, go get your arrows, but I still had one left. I did not hear her say, go retrieve your arrows, so I went and shot my arrow, like, past these kids as they're walking. Keep in mind, I'm still a child too, like, I was the same age as them. Everyone turns around, freaked out, because I literally just shot an arrow out of nowhere while people are literally, like, walking down towards. Thank God I did not hit anyone. Luckily, I don't think it would do too much damage, because they're not, like, made to kill or anything. The instructor, she was super nice. She was like, um, Crochet, like, why did you do that? And I was like, oh, like, sorry. My grandpa just came over, and he's like, how many tablets did Nana give you? And I was like, two. And he's like, okay, we're going to take a break. And I go and sit down for the rest of the class and I have a nap on the bench. And after that, everyone in the archery class was super nice. So everyone was kind of understanding and no hard feelings and no one got hurt. But my Nana will never live that down. And we make sure to bring it up every time we see her because it's just so hilarious because it came from a good place. Like she's trying to make me feel better, extra better by giving me twice the dosage. Um, what did I learn from this? I definitely learned, first of all, check your own dosages. Second of all, Honestly, no, this was just really funny. I feel like I didn't learn anything significant from this. However, this third story I did learn a lot from, okay? And this was the reason I ended up quitting Taekwondo. Yes, I am a Taekwondo master. I was a black belt, um, number one in all of the world. No, just kidding. I was a white belt, which is the lowest you can be. So this story takes place during the final test to become a yellow belt. I know, this was pretty exciting for me. And so the owner of the dojo that I went to would come and he would be the one grading your test. And I was super scared for this. And a part of the test was this thing that you had to do called the duck walk. And Every time that I did the duck walk, I fell over and I couldn't do it because I was very overweight and very top heavy and my legs just could not support my massive body. So as a part of this test, you had to duck walk across the room and back. And when I heard him say this, I literally, I wanted to cry. I genuinely just wanted to cry. So I go and I try and I'm like walking, I'm literally using my, I'm basically crawling. 
And he calls me out in front of everyone. He's like, that's not a duck walk. I go back and I'm like trying to duck walk. Keep in mind, I'm not even halfway across this floor and everyone else is done already. Oh my God, it was, it was so sad at the time, but it's so funny now. Like, it's so funny. I, I couldn't do it. And I think he realized like the issue was not me being lazy or anything. Like I literally just could not do it, okay? And I think he took pity on me. So I ended up getting my yellow belt, but I went home that night and I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I am never going back. I quit. I am not doing that. I like, that was so embarrassing. My mom was like, okay. Cause she understood like, I definitely was not enjoying that. I'm really happy that she didn't make me go back. And so I never did Taekwondo again. Now, looking back on that experience, I definitely learned a lot from it. At that age, I wasn't very confident at all. I was not always treated the best by people and I was overweight and I would get comments about it from people. And I just had a very low self-worth and my confidence was just non-existent. And so when I was being called out and I was just unable to do this task, it triggered something in me, you know? And I just, I felt so horrible about myself that I didn't want to go back. And that's because I cared about what everyone else in the class and what the teachers and what the owner of the dojo, I cared what they all think. And for years, years, I have cared way too much about what other people think. Even if the people who I'm scared of being judged by are literally insignificant in my life. I may see them once and never again, but if I do something embarrassing in front of them, I will think about it for the longest time. It's honestly, looking back at it, kind of sad, you know? Like, it is a very funny story, but I quit because I didn't have confidence. I wanted to do it, but I didn't feel like I was good enough. And so it definitely took a long time to get where I am now and feeling a lot more confident and surrounding myself by people, you know, who hype me up and give me the validation that I need and I can do that for them too. And so it's it takes some time to build up your confidence in your self-worth, but if you're kind of feeling like 12-year-old Chris J in the dojo, trust me, it takes some work and conscious effort, but you really just have to realize what other people think about you. First of all, those are your own insecurities, you know? Like if you're like, oh, uh, like they probably think I'm I'm ugly or something. They never said that. If they did, like that's horrible and they really shouldn't do that and that will take time to get over and feel confident in yourself. But a lot of the time, it's just you projecting your own insecurities onto yourself pretending that it's other people. So you really have to get past that and, you know, break through that board or that wall, you know. My last kind of um, sport fail slash funny stories, this was actually quite an eventful and short sport, and this was horse riding. Yes, I was a horse boy for a summer with my friend, I think, she was Emily in the last episode, so we're just gonna stick with that. So Emily's mom contacts my mom one summer and she's like, hey, I found this horse camp where the kids can learn to, you know, ride horses more and they at the end of the camp, there's a competition. 
And you know, I had already been to, I used to go to a lot of summer camps and all of them had horses. So I had been riding for a little bit. And whenever we would go on vacations, like to Texas and things like that, we would go on like a horse ride on the beach or something like that. And I loved horses and so did Emily. So it was perfect. The first day of horse camp rolls around. We're both super excited. Emily's mom's driving us. We, you know, met our horses. We were picking out their hooves and brushing them, and I loved it. I was, like, living the dream. Like, I love animals. I love taking care of them. So by lunchtime, Emily's face was starting to get a little puffy and red and very irritated. Come to find out, Emily is allergic to hay. Mm-hmm. She's allergic to hay, and she's at a horse camp where the floor, the seats, the food for the horses, like, she is surrounded by hay. This is not good for Emily. Emily is literally having an allergic reaction. So for lunch, the, like, owner of the horse camp came out, and she was like, oh my god, like, your face. Luckily, the owner's house was, like, on the camp, and so Emily got to go eat lunch at the owner's house and I got invited because you know Emily wasn't gonna eat lunch alone like geez that would be so sad so we were the cool kids it felt so cool to be like eating at the house and not in the stables you know I don't know little things like that when I was a kid just mattered a lot to me and I felt so cool and privileged when I got to do stuff like that at this horse camp there was this girl who was there who was this little hurricane of anger and oh my god she was horrible she would go around bossing everyone around and i just remember specifically her dad came in to pick her uh, like up one time and she's literally screaming screaming at this man like saying that i don't want to leave and like i like effing hate you and this girl is like eight years old like miss girl mm have some respect. Oh my god, I think she, like, she said something to Emily, or she, like, hit... Oh, no, 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 you know what it was? She hit one of the counselors at the camp, and then she never came back. She was so bad, she literally got, like, banned, and they were like, don't bring her back, because she's so rude. She would, like, hit her horse. It was so sad. So, yeah, sadly for her but good for us she missed out on the last day of horse camp which was by far the most eventful okay now i'm a very i was a very emotional child okay i was you know i was very emotional so in the morning the counselors had organized this scavenger hunt around the camp it was a super cute idea like i loved those things as a kid but they made it really hard for a bunch of kids and so we're like having so much troubles finding these clues and i just remember we're on the last clue and i just wanted to go to lunch okay i just wanted to eat some food i was hungry okay and i started tearing up because we couldn't find this clue and i just wanted to eat i was so done the counselor is like okay guys like it's over here and so she just told us where it was we went and found it and this girl goes oh like why did you help us and the counselor turns to me and she's like well Christian was about to cry so clearly you guys needed some help everyone looks at me and they're like 
oh, like, are you okay? Like, in, in the nicest way possible. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm fine, but it was so embarrassing. I turned bright red. I don't know why, like, this counselor obviously did not mean to embarrass me, but it was so embarrassing that I was literally crying over a scavenger hunt, you know? But it was super, super fun. You know, we kind of got to explore a little more. Now, the biggest thing about this camp was it messed me up for the rest of the summer. And if you know me, like I, you probably know this about me, I have back issues. And that was from this camp, okay? So after the first day of riding, like we would ride for like hours a day, like it was an all day day camp. So like we we're horseback riding for most of it, which was super nice. After the first day, I got in the car with Emily's mom to come home. And I was like, oh geez, like my tailbone really hurts. And she was like, oh yeah, like you're probably just sore, like it'll be fine. So I go back the next day and then it's kind of like better and throughout the week it like hurts a little bit, but it was better. And so after the horse camp had finished, it was about a week later, I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. I literally couldn't get out of bed. Like I could, but it was like the worst pain I had ever felt. So I got up, like we went and we went to go see a chiropractor immediately. And he like did like a scan or whatever they do. And he was basically like, oh, um, your tailbone is bruised and it's crooked. And now the top of your spine has compensated by turning the other way. So now you have an S-shaped spine. I was not expecting that, okay? Honestly, totally worth it for horse camp, but I also had to carry around a rubber donut with me for about six months, which was not so much fun in school because then everyone was like, why are you carrying that around? And I was like, oh, well, like horse camp. And then I had to explain the whole story and it was kind of annoying. It hurt so much and I couldn't use the trampoline and I am obsessed with trampolines, okay? Like, I could not go on a trampoline for almost a year and it sucked. I also could not go downhill skiing, which was low-key fine by me, but still. Overall though, worth it. In the competition, your boy placed first, second, and third in the three events. So I was top three in every event. Mm, not to brag, but yeah, um, kind of a, kind of a horse boy. Now winning all those competitions definitely boosted my confidence. I wanted to buy a horse and go into every competition after this. I wanted to so badly because I was so confident going home that day with all my little ribbons and it honestly felt so amazing. I was so happy. Emily and I had a great time even though she had a hay allergy. She just, you know, she'd pop some pills before and she was fine. But yeah, so those are kind of my fun sports stories and kind of, I guess, the beginning of my fitness journey. Like, overall, I have done so many sports. I've done, well, obviously, sailing, archery, taekwondo, horse camp, and then there was also swimming in there, soccer. I did basketball for a day. Actually, looking back on it now, I quit a lot. Like, I tried everything but I never really found something that I was good at. And I find when I was a kid, if I wasn't good at something or I took a blow to my confidence and other people who were doing it were better than me, I would just say, oh, not for me, I'm not doing it. I would move on to the next thing. And I've definitely got a lot better at that. Like now I've started rowing 
and I'm doing that pretty, I guess, intensely now, you know, my hands are definitely very blistered um, from it, but apparently I'm not so bad at that, so that makes me feel good. I have some friends who convinced me to do it, and I'm super happy they did because I literally love it, and I love rowing with them so much. If you ever want to go into a sport, try rowing. It's honestly so much fun. You can, it's super chill. It's not like these other sports where it's like super rigid and like you're cut if you don't come to practice and stuff. Like it's honestly great. I love it. And there's so many different levels. Like you don't even have to do it competitively, you know? Anyways, let's begin to answer some questions that you guys sent in about sport slash working out slash confidence slash motivation and let's just see what you guys had to say so the first question how come you're not in the olympics yet um honestly i don't know but i should be i am literally an olympian at heart and it's gonna happen one day watch me on tv rowing in the olympics or like doing a cross-country Yeah, you know what? I am an Olympian, and I will be in the Olympics. I just want to give other people a chance right now. Um, So yeah, that's why I'm not in the Olympics yet. The second question, why is self-confidence important to you? Good question, anonymous person. Self-confidence is important to me because I think by being confident, a whole new world opens up to you. You can make new friends, you try new things, You do more, whereas if you're not confident, you feel bad about yourself. You become, you know, sad all the time and depressed and anxious about what others are thinking of you. And, you know, you don't want to leave your room half the time and you don't want to try new things and you don't want to hang out with people and you avoid getting your picture taken and confidence is so important for quality of life, honestly. Being more confident in yourself allows you to live a better life and one that's more fulfilling for you. Would it be possible for a former child athlete to regain their strength and compete? I think it's definitely possible, but it depends on the sport. Take like gymnastics, for example. If you did gymnastics as a kid and you got really good and now you're in late high school, it's probably going to be very hard to get to where others your age are at in that sport. I think you can do it, but it would definitely be very hard and you would be very behind. However, if it's something like soccer or basketball, there are so many different leagues and stuff that you can get into and you don't have to do it competitively. So I think that you can totally, you know, go back into it if you just love the sport. Like for example, hockey, you know, if you did hockey as a kid and then you quit and you know, elementary school, middle school, and now you're in high school and you want to do it again, or you're in university and you want to do it again, join a rec league. Like, it doesn't have to be serious. If you love the sport, then play the sport. If you want to be competitive, however, that's where it can be hard because there are so many people who have dedicated their lives to it. So if you're going back to it after years and saying, oh, I want to do competitive, you know, basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, it's going to be hard. But if you love the sport and you want to do it, there's always a way that you can do it later in life. How do you stay motivated to work out? This is a very good question. Honestly, it's not always easy, okay? It's very hard to get started, but once you get into the rhythm of doing it, it becomes a lot easier. It's really just about 
you know, realizing that you have time to go work out. You have time to watch three hours of Netflix in one sitting. What's one hour of working out, you know? Or even even 20 minutes of working out. I find for me, doing it with a friend or it, like actually going to the gym can be very motivating because you feel less alone. Whereas, you know, over quarantine, when people were working out at home, that was a little harder because, you know, your bed's right next to you. So, oh, like I'll work out tomorrow, but then you don't. And so I think working out at home can definitely be hard. So maybe if you try going outside or going to some room that you don't usually go to, that can be motivating. Getting up in the morning and like making a plan and like writing down a specific time that you want to work out can be super helpful in actually sticking to it. But honestly, the biggest advice that I can give and how I stay motivated is picture how you want to feel. Imagine, like remember how you feel when you're done a workout and how amazing it feels and how you know, accomplished you feel, and how much better your day is after you work out. And when you remember what it feels like, you know, the adrenaline and the sense of accomplishment you feel after doing a really good workout, like that makes you want to have that feeling. So you go work out. I know for me, joining a gym has been super helpful because I have a place outside of my house to go to. And that's super motivating too. And just having like a friend to do it with, just text your friend and be like, hey, we're gonna get ripped or we're gonna work out, we're gonna feel so good about ourselves and just do it. Do 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, do a YouTube video, you know? Literally any exercise is great because it's literally just about moving your body, feeling good. You don't have to shoot for six pack abs. You don't have to shoot for 50 pounds of weight loss or anything like literally just move your body to feel good. Don't overwork yourself, okay? Now this next one is more related to confidence, but I definitely felt that it was very important to answer because I personally have struggled with this. The question is, do you have any advice on getting over failure? For context, I gave up on my dream school and dropped out about two months in, and now I've started studying at a new school, I feel a lot of shame and guilt for giving up so easily. There is a lot to unpack here, okay? First of all, getting over failure is never going to be easy. It gets easier, but you have to fail to be okay with failure, you know? And that's why I think failing and quitting so much as a kid really helped me now because now I don't do it because I would always feel guilty and now I regret quitting some things. Like I regret quitting swimming. I love swimming, but as I gained weight, I didn't feel confident in myself, so I just didn't go. And so for this person, I would say, you're never gonna know what would happen if you stayed at that school, but clearly it was a lot for you and clearly you weren't happy there, okay? So changing schools was the best decision for you at that time. You don't have to feel guilty about making a decision that you feel was best for you because at the end of the day, you come first. I know a lot of the guilt that you might be feeling may be put onto you by other people. So maybe your family is kind of 
not as supportive of your decision to leave and change schools or maybe you know your friends are kind of poking fun at you for not being able to handle it and if they're doing that first of all you don't need those people in your life second of all you don't need those people in your life and you don't need to make yourself feel guilty for making the a decision that was good for you okay at my old school i was not happy i mentally was not in a good place at all and the people there were just not always great and so I changed schools and I definitely will always wonder you know what if I stayed there but I didn't and I can't change that I'm happy now I'm in such a better place than I was there and that's all that matters I made a decision that was good for me and at the end of the day in my life I'm all that matters you know don't feel guilty about this. However, use it next time you have some sort of fail in your life. Realize that when you fail, it's making you better. Now, this one is about a relationship, but it does relate to confidence. This will make more sense when I read it. My boyfriend is a really jealous person, and he makes me feel bad about wearing a crop top, etc., I love him and he's a great person, but his jealousy is a big problem in our relationship. Do you have any advice? By the way, love your podcast. Well, thank you. If he's jealous of you in a crop top, he's honestly probably just insecure himself. He probably feels like, you know, other guys are going to be looking at you and maybe he doesn't feel as secure in the relationship as you do. And when he sees you in a crop top or, you know, whatever, just in general, he's probably thinking these guys are gonna like hit on her and she's gonna like them way better than me because I'm not good enough and stuff. And so he's probably feeling very insecure and I think jealousy in general comes from a place of insecurity, always. But that doesn't mean that you should change yourself for him. His insecurities are his insecurities. If you wanna wear a crop top, wear a crop top. If he's feeling jealous, and it's a big problem in your relationship, if it's not something that you can overcome, and, you know, let's say you really love wearing crop tops, and he is just so jealous, then maybe he's just not for you. What you wear shouldn't be such a major factor in your relationship to the point where it's one of the biggest problems. He should feel secure enough with you to know that, you're not just gonna, you know, go find some other guy and leave him. Now, something that you could maybe do to make him feel better without changing yourself would be compliment him because guys love compliments as much as girls, but we don't really get them as much, you know? I think getting a compliment from your significant other, it always feels good. Getting a compliment from anyone feels good, if you maybe compliment him more and say, you look really good today, or you're such a genuine person, like don't do surface level compliments, like say something that you genuinely like about him or you genuinely think is nice about him because it's going to make him feel good. And if you do that enough, maybe he'll be less jealous because he'll feel more confident in himself and he'll feel more confident in the relationship. So then maybe he won't be as jealous. However, if it's becoming toxic, move on. I've realized over the last couple of months that I don't really love myself. 
possibly even like myself. What's some advice to giving yourself more self-love and self-care other than just the obvious? First of all, I'm so sorry that you're feeling this way. I, I'm definitely able to sympathize with you because I've definitely had similar feelings about myself at points in my life. It's definitely a long journey to fully loving yourself and caring for yourself because it's so much easier just not to. It's so much easier to just lay in bed and cry and make up excuses why you're not good enough and why you don't deserve whatever. But you need to make a conscious effort to do that, you know? I know for me, every day, I would write a post-it about one thing that I genuinely, like, I actually liked about myself. It could be super small. And put it on your door, put it on your wall, your bed frame. And every day, as you do that, you know, do it so that it's somewhere that you can see it. And you're going to feel better about yourself because you're looking at all these things that you actually like about yourself. And don't just say, oh, well, there's nothing. Because there is. Like, I'm sure you're an amazing person, okay? There is something. There's tons of things that you probably like about yourself and you have to make sure that you're not just dismissing it because you're amazing okay and so over time these post-its are going to build up and you're going to be like wow this 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 and this are amazing about me and i'm sure other people see that too and that's a form of self-love there are other things like physical things like taking a bath Working out, that's an amazing form of self-care. Working out releases so many endorphins that just make you feel so much better about yourself. They make you feel happy. Surrounding yourself with positive people, very important. Family, you can't always choose, but friends, friends are family that you can choose. So choose them wisely, okay? This is the most important thing I think I could ever say. Surround yourself with people that make you feel good. When you leave the hangout or whatever, you should feel better. If you're feeling upset, you should want to hang out with them because they make you feel good. You have fun with them. They're nice people. If you're hanging out with them and you don't really want to or you're leaving and you're, you know, not feeling confident or you're feeling beat down by things they said or did, that's not a good friend. Leave them. Leave that group. Leave that friend because that's not what you need in your life. And that can be hard sometimes, okay? But it's so important because in order to love yourself and have better self-care, you need to have positivity in your life. And toxic people don't do that. Having a routine, you know, morning routine, nighttime routine, when you get up in the morning, have breakfast, brush your teeth, wash your face, shower, do it in an order that feels good to you so that you feel like you accomplished something earlier in the day. Because if you're just watching TV all day or on TikTok all day and you're not getting anything done, you're not going to feel good about yourself. So even if you just work on making your bed, cleaning your room, brushing your teeth, which I hope you already do every day, twice a day, maybe even three times if you're feeling extra, extra spicy that day, that is going to make you feel so much better. So I, I really hope that helped. That's, those are some of the things that really helped me. The post-it thing may sound kind of dumb or cheesy, but it honestly has helped me personally so much. And it, 
like do it literally just do it it literally takes five seconds how are you able to be more confident and not compare yourself to others this is the other side of jealousy so jealousy is comparing yourself to others and wanting what others have or wanting you know their life and their things and maybe their relationships and things like that and so comparing yourself to others can be a form of jealousy but it makes you feel bad about yourself and comparing yourself to others is just a toxic relationship with yourself i find a lot of people who compare themselves to others don't really have a lot going on in their life or sometimes you know you do have a lot and you just feel like you're not the best so if you're someone who just kind of goes to school, goes to work, comes home, watches TV, eats dinner, and like that's it. You may be looking on Instagram or YouTube, TikTok, and seeing all these people traveling the world and riding in their car, like Maseratis, whatever, and you're comparing your life to them. First of all, social media is fake, okay? Half of these people do not look or have the money that they claim to have all these models and stuff, like, they are holding their breath, they are biting their cheeks, sucking in, flexing, editing their photos. It is fake, okay? Now, finding things to do could be something that could help you feel better about yourself. Maybe for you, it's even, like, starting a new hobby or starting, like, a little side business that you're interested in or volunteering your time. I don't care what anyone says, you have time for these things. If you want to do it, you will make time to do these things. And it can be hard to start, but once you do it, it will honestly upgrade your life so much and you'll become so much more confident and hopefully not compare yourself to others as much. Now, if you're the kind of person who is more comparing yourself out of competitiveness, this can be hard to handle because whether it's your parents pushing you or even yourself pushing you, you have to realize that as long as you're doing the best that you can do, that is all that matters. Personally, in school, I've compared myself to others a lot and I just kind of have to look at it and be like, okay, like, am I doing the best that I can possibly do? Yes. You know, I always am trying to do the best that I can and you know, some of these people that I was comparing myself to, like, they don't do the other things that I do, you know? Like, okay, let's just say you're jealous of this friend who is buying all these nice things themselves, okay? And this person works 60 hours a week, but all you're seeing is the things that they get from it, and so you're comparing yourself. Meanwhile, you're like an athlete, you dedicate your time to being an athlete, and let's say you only work 20 hours a week, obviously you're not going to be making as much money as them, but you're doing so much more, and hopefully you're getting fulfillment from it. And so you have to realize that the people that you're comparing yourselves to, your life is not the same as theirs. Their life is very different from yours, and they're probably looking at you and seeing things that you're doing and being like, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I wish I was like them in this way. And it's kind of hard to picture people being like that, but you would be surprised if you really knew what everyone thought about you. You really would. I don't know if that helped, hopefully it did. Just really make sure that you're 
realizing that your life is very different from theirs and that you may be doing other things that bring you fulfillment and the things that they have and they have to show for it might not be right for you. They won't fit into your life all the time. So I think that is going to be it for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my failures and successes. And I really, really, really hope that I helped you with some of the questions that you sent in. I really appreciate you guys doing that because I literally would not have content if you didn't do that. So thank you very much for that. But yeah, thank you for all the support. It really helps me out, you know, feel free to DM me and uh, give me some feedback on the episodes and you can follow me on Instagram at Chris J. Sigurdsson. That's K-R-I-S-J-A-Y-S-I-G-U-R-D-S-O-N. Love the shameless plug. Honestly, this isn't my podcast. It's really just a platform for me to talk to you guys and for you guys to give me feedback. We got our own group going on, okay? Thank y'all so much. Bye, homos.